We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Bound with that big body in front of you. Crowder looking, throws it, alley, oh! He puts it down! He puts it down! It's over! And they're trying to say goaltending, but that's a live basketball. He can finish it. Oh my god. That was one of the craziest games I have ever seen. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Forgive me if I lose my voice by the end of this one. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. 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 Hey man. Um <laughs> I, I I think I saw you say like a minute ago that that was Did you say greatest or just one, one of the greatest? Of the greatest. One of the greatest Suns wins of all time in a playoff game. And yet, as awesome as it is to be up 2-0, as awesome as it is to have prevailed, as awesome as it is to have gotten the performances we got out of several guys who we're going to talk about um, in this episode, it, it was hard for me, it's hard for me right now not to leave that game with a bitter taste in my mouth. <laughs> it was... Right? Oh, yeah. No, I know I what mean, you mean. I mean, there it was embarrassing for the NBA Truly, the last the last three minutes of game time, which took up thirty plus minutes of real time, was embarrassing. And I'm obviously ecstatic that the Suns pulled it out. Monty Williams again, coach of the year. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> final play there. Uh, perfectly executed, awesome pass from Jay Crowder. Um, fantastic screen from Devin Booker to do that with who knows what his situation is with his nose looks like it could be broken for all we know yeah. um, to set that back screen the finish from Aiton I mean all of it flawless but even so what we had to to be put through even to get to that point was unacceptable absolutely absolutely and the worst part about it is when they announced the refs for this game everyone knew exactly what was going to happen everyone knew it, it's just insane Scott Foster has a thing with Chris Paul, like a documented problem with Chris Paul. Fans of every team hate him. He does not do a good job refing. 
He was connected to Tim Donaghy. If you don't know, look it up. Literally, Tim Donaghy said Scott Foster was one of the other guys fixing games. It's something that he has said on the record. And he still refs for games. It's unbelievable. And not only refs for games, he refs in consistently the most important games in the NBA playoffs every year. And he but, makes he he does a really great job of making it about himself. We Insane. we were I mean, for as much respect as I've given to Paul George in this series, we were saved at the very end there by the fact that Pandemic P came back to fruition. <laughs> because really that call that they gave for for an out of bounds on Booker, the the tip by Beverly, right, right. was the most the one that left me most flabbergasted. Like that yeah. is not a call that goes against the Suns for ninety six percent of any NBA game. It's it's right. something that was only overturned because just of illogical thinking related to the replay system, and and then you know the Suns should have been dead there. They really should have. Paul George missed both free throws, and we got another shot. Crazy, crazy game, crazy game. I don't know if I have the stomach to go back and rewatch that one, at least <laughs> yeah. not for a little while, honestly, because it was, I'm, I, this is awesome. The Suns are up 2-0. We've won nine in a row. Yeah. You can't come away from that game without that bitter feeling. It's just, it's just there. It's still there. This, These are our instant reactions right after the game, and that was stressful. It was really stressful. Absolutely. And it started, the bullshit started from the beginning. The first play of the game, Devin Booker was called for an offensive foul on a screen that would that literally probably happened 150 more times in the rest of the game with other players setting the exact same type of screen. And then they started flopping on him, and that's where it went from there. An absolutely insanely frustrating game, but the greatest game of Cameron Payne's career. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I, I love that dude. I, I love mean, him so much. 29 points, nine assists, zero oh my God. turnovers, zero turnovers for Cameron Payne. And and his, his efficiency was insane too. Uh, 50% from the field, two for eight from three is the only place he, he struggled, but three, four from the free throw line, he got fouled pretty regularly and just absolutely murdered them on that Spain pick and roll, just getting to that left side of the rim with that little flip up shot with his left hand over and over and over again. When the Suns needed a bucket, he found a way to do it. An incredible game by Cameron Payne and an incredible story. In amazing. I think we had said in the past in during regular season episodes that, hey, campaign is playing really well right now wouldn't it be funny if like he's the type of guy who would have a Goran Dragic game in the playoffs right he has eclipsed that Cameron Payne has gotten to the point where your number one priority in the offseason no matter what happens here for the next two series has to be re-signing Cameron Payne well yeah there's there's the whole Aiton and Bridges potential extension to extend or not to extend this summer thing. We we got to get to that too. They but can't other, go anywhere else though. Cameron Payne can exactly. Like the, the Knicks are, are are licking their lips right now. You have to re-sign Cameron Payne. It is a necessity, and not only that, you can finally. This is why I'm not glad that Chris Paul went into protocols, but I am finally glad that we got to see campaign play at the highest level and be forced to start and play heavy minutes for a couple of games like this. Hopefully, not much longer, but at least for these two games, because you can start to think about this guy. I've never been willing to go this far in the past, but finally, you can maybe start to think about this guy as if Chris Paul's body breaks down in the next two to three years. What's what's your backup option? Right. Do you have to go out and get someone else? 
right. or is he sitting right in front of you? I think we can start to start to wonder if maybe campaign can be groomed to be that guy. He's not just a backup. He can be better. Uh, guys, it, it, it might be rare, but guys can have redemption arcs in the NBA, and there's no better redemption arc in the NBA this season than Cameron Payne. You can be 26, 27, 28 years old and still add to your game. You can still have a long, fruitful career, and with the way uh, this guy is playing right now, the confidence he showed to attack the basket with crafty finish after crafty finish, his poise as a pick-and-roll playmaker, and, and, and just in general, the amount of improvement he's made over the past year, an exponential amount that has been miraculous— there's no reason not to believe that uh, the sky could be the limit for campaign. It doesn't matter about his age. He deserves uh, a long look for this team in the future, I think. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm proud of that guy. Like, I'm so happy for him. He's so quickly ascended up my list of uh, favorite players in the NBA, favorite players on the Suns, maybe favorite Suns ever. That's how much joy I get out of watching campaign and what he's doing right now. Yeah, thank thank God for Ryan McDonough uh, uh, for finding him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, we can be nice. It's off the scrap. That was yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I want to give James Jones credit for finding Cameron Payne, but that was definitely lucky. What James what James Jones did well was signing him to a two year deal when he signed him for the bubble to ensure that he was available for this year if it went well in the bubble, and it did. And the Suns were able to get him at basically nothing for this year and look at him now starting in a playoff game and being the most important player in that playoff game the credit for how well he's played goes to him and it goes to Monty Williams for finding the right ways to make him successful he the the Chicago Bulls literally said Cameron Payne is not an NBA player and we saw it the second practice he had with the Bulls at practice and every member of that front office, not every member, but most members of that Chicago front office no longer have jobs. Are jobless, exactly. Exactly. And they're so watching from, from, they're watching campaign do this from their couch. And we know there the is story. no better satisfaction than that. And we we know the story. The story goes the Suns needed a backup point guard, so they called Cameron Payne, who was apparently in the pool. He likes to tell that part of the story. Uh, and thought he <laughs> didn't have a chance to join the NBA. Then he then he goes on to win eight in a row with with the Suns but part of that story was also that James Jones asked Monty Williams about Cameron Payne and Cam and Monty Williams said he's got more than he's shown I believe it and he was right and he and he brought it out of him in in the most important moment of his career to date because there are still more games and they're they get more and more important with every minute incredible incredible by the way we should talk about the guy who hit the game winner <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's the other guy. I mean, there's two guys. Devin Booker, we'll get to him as well. But there yeah. are two guys who really carried the Suns tonight, mm -hmm. and neither of them were Devin Booker. So let's Isn't talk about the other amazing? one. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, DeAndre, in 12 for 15, another insanely efficient game for him. 14 rebounds uh, and ended with 24 points, including the J. Triano special, which is the lob from out of bounds over the rim. Remember, for those who don't remember, you can't shoot from out of bounds. Nothing you do from out of out of bounds can constitute a shot. So even though the ball was over the rim when DeAndre Ayton flushed it through, it's not a shot because you can't legally shoot from out of bounds. This is a loophole that Jay Triano figured out in the rules for the NBA and then kept a secret play 
from uh, he never ran it and then ran it with the Suns with Dragon Bender throwing an out of bounds pass to Tyson Chandler, two guys who are out of the NBA now, and uh, and they beat I think it was the Memphis Grizzlies I think mm-hmm. was the team that they beat with that play and random regular that season game. game. It, it just yeah. like this one. As soon as he flushed it through, the the other team was trying to call for uh, offensive interference. There's no such thing. It's impossible. And uh, the credit really for that play goes to obviously Aiton did his job there, um, but the pass by Jay Crowder was incredible. But more than anything else, Devin Booker with a broken nose set a screen on a seven foot Zubach to yeah. free DeAndre Aiton to the rim. Uh, incredible. I mean, amazing. Yeah, just an amazing show of selflessness again from Devin Booker and a show of perseverance. And Aiton not only had that amazing play, but if you want to talk about Jay Crowder, his other amazing dunk that he had over oh Zubats in the first quarter yeah. was another perfect find from Crowder on, on a pass that like, I was shocked that he even attempted. I, How many times do you think Jay Crowder and DeAndre Aiton have connected on an alley-oop this year, Mike? Like uh, that might have been the first. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first one. I would. Yeah, I was gonna say you could probably count on one hand for sure. I don't know exactly how many it is. Well, but Jay Crowder loves to throw unnecessary bounce passes. <laughs> He's not much of a lob passer, uh, so I, I feel like that may have been the first one. But you had two supreme highlight plays out of those guys tonight that literally won you the game because it came down to that. And I mean, Aiton's defensive focus was there. He grabbed everything in his vicinity when it came to rebounding. His defensive rebounding was top-notch in this one. He finished with 14 rebounds, three uh, against on the Zubac offensive glass. Too. Mm-hmm. Played a traditional big, grabbed everything around him. Contested rebounds. Look, here's the thing about rebounding, the honest truth. It is possible to grab 15 rebounds in a game in the NBA sometimes, and they're empty. It, it's possible. Like sometimes that happens. You grab 15 rebounds. None of them are, are contested. There's no one around you. You, you just get it. And like flip it to your point card or whatever. But what DeAndre Ayton did tonight was not that. This was uh, an impactful 14 rebounds, as impactful 14 yes. rebounds as I've seen from him all season. He Absolutely. was phenomenal. Um, his finishing was there. He he put the ball on the floor and dribbled right at Paul George uh, in one possession in the game. He uh, relied on his mid-range shot a little bit more in this game when he sensed that the offense was simply stagnant and he had to step up with yeah. something. Remember, that's not... Like, Monty Williams doesn't want that to be a staple of his game. He doesn't want it to be the main thing that DeAndre relies on, but it's proof that he has these things that he can fall back on. In a game like this, when you don't have Chris Paul, the ball movement was a little bit more stagnant. Aiden was able to hit some tough mid-range shots um, and just prove that he is a a skilled player with a lot of tools, a lot of tools in his bag, um, and a very malleable player that the Suns can maybe, you know, continue to squeeze more and more out of uh, as they progress his career in the future. And he probably had two, maybe three shots that weren't in the paint that went in in this game. That's probably the most of any game in the playoffs so far because of how disciplined he's been in his offense to ensure he gets to the rim and finds ways to score at the rim as much as possible. There was also play uh, sort of late in the game, I think it was mid-fourth quarter, where... It was just a two-man game with Cameron Payne and DeAndre and back and forth, back and forth, and they really couldn't get it. They were slowly working the ball deeper and deeper into the paint, and Cameron Payne just finally just dumped it off to DeAndre and was probably about eight feet away with Zubac all over him, and Aiton took one dribble, shimmied right, turned over his left shoulder, 
and threw up a hook shot and went directly into the basket, nothing but net. That kind of skill is the kind of skill... I, look, I'm, I'm not going to pile on Rudy Gobert, but it's the kind of skill that they were not facing the Clippers in the last round to be able to have that kind of guy that you could just dump it off to and he could find a way to score efficiently over and over and over again. Just an amazing... I mean, I, we said it on our last episode, and, it, and it, we can say it every time. I don't care. What he's done in the playoffs has been remarkable. Remarkable. He took a leap. He take, He's taken a leap every season, and he took another leap in the postseason, uh, DeAndre. And, and that leap in the postseason was the biggest one so far by a lot. By a lot. The Suns do not win this game unless he goes 12 for 15, clearly, because it was a one-point game. But that 12 for 15 is insanely efficient. 24 points, 14 rebounds. Like they didn't put him in the position to make the passes like we thought, Sam, with that short roll and trapping. They they just kind of relied on Patrick Beverly to be a pest. Yep. Uh, so he didn't quite have the assists that we thought maybe he could have had the opportunity to have in this game. But everything else he was literally basically perfect on. Well, I want to touch on the way that the Clippers guarded Booker in, in general in a little bit. Um, but just with Aiton, I mean, it's it's fine to pile on Rudy Gobert in this game a little while longer. You don't want to beat the dead horse too long, but like, <laughs> yeah. but this game, you look back at the tape, those shots that you're talking about, the deep post hook against Zubats, like this is literally the difference when people talk about why Aiton can stay on the floor and the other guy can't. It's it's being able to create semi create his own offense like that. By the way, I thought it was funny. Um, late in the game when that happened it came right after a stretch of like three straight minutes of just missed threes from just about every player on both rosters it was like paul george missed three uh Devin booker missed three uh canard missed three mikhail bridges missed three Open just back threes, and too, back yeah. and forth and back and forth and back and forth and then ayton able to solidify i think that made it a five-point lead obviously that wasn't entirely safe uh for the last minute and a half or so but they got it done in the end We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk about Devin Booker. Uh, he ended, I, I was surprised when I looked at the box score because if you just look at the, the field goal attempts to points, he had fi- 16 field goal attempts and 20 points. Uh, so, you know, by advanced metrics, if you will, that was an efficient game. Uh, but the seven turnovers, I think, is, is kind of what he struggled with the most in this game. And uh, the reason he was still efficient is nine for nine from the free throw line. He shot five for 16, only took three three-pointers in this game. Patrick Beverly, to his credit, did a very good job 
on Devin Booker. But also, the refs did take him out of the game a little bit with those two quick fouls at the beginning of the game. And I'm not going to say this because I'm making excuses. I'm going to say this because I've seen this happen to Devin Booker before. This is not something new to me. If he gets two quick fouls early and the refs get in his head a little bit, he struggles. And I've seen it happen before. And it was no surprise to me that it happened early in this game. And it's up to him to, to get over that kind of thing. The Suns, luckily, his teammates came through and uh, they were able to find a win in this game. And he had one of the most important moments of the game where uh, they passed it into him with 29 seconds left. He took two dribbles, took a mid-range shot right over Patrick Beverly, made the shot with enough time so that the Suns would have time to take another shot later in the game, which is what eventually ended with them having time to get that game winner. Uh, So he hit one of the most important shots. Made the right passes, by the way, on that last play. I really wanted Mikhail to make that three-pointer that he missed, that game-winning three-pointer that he missed. Uh, But what are your thoughts on Devin Booker? Just thinking about that last shot that you were talking about real quick, I think um, if, I mean, Booker is elite at so many things, but if there's anything he's like maybe just the best in the NBA at, it's uh, his hang time on jumpers. Like that was the perfect example of Booker. He just stayed in the air, outlasted Beverly's entire jump and was able to, to time it so that Beverly, like he came up and was at the apex of his arc and then his hands started coming down and that's when Booker released the shot and he's just, I mean, his hang time is is impeccable. It's amazing. And I think if you want to talk about overcoming adversity for him too, just how much it had to have fucking hurt his nose in the first place and then he comes back out, would have been real easy for him to take another hit to the face. He continued driving, penetrating, drawing fouls. He shot 9 for 9 from the free throw line. So he did his job, I think, in many respects in the second half. Um, In the first half, and really overall, if we're being honest, because he did shoot 5 for 16 in this game, we we can say Pat Bev did a really good job. And, and I yeah. thought what, I thought just what was interesting, just to address it, because I know a lot of people are listening to our spaces now. Um, if, if you haven't yet, and at roughly an hour before each game is when we're doing these, hop on spaces with us on, on Twitter. It's connected through your mobile app on Twitter, and uh, you can ask us questions. But what we said on spaces, we thought maybe, uh, and on the last podcast too, actually, maybe they were going to trap him more. They really didn't trap him, but no. they counted they counted on Beverly to just play him physically bump him off his spots early in the shot clock what they would do is they would bring another person it's not like they left beverly on an island if he got screened for they would bring a, a, a nail defender a help defender on the weak side to stunt towards him at least make it a little bit difficult and then they dropped back zubats uh in the in in the pick and roll actions so they kind of had like a triangle effect of like three guys who were roughly shadowing booker but it wasn't the intense necessarily sort of uh trapping we've seen on him from some teams in the past even in the playoffs this year so i thought beverly just did a really good job of making it difficult on him being physical with him and look you can say uh, pat bev's a dirty player i would agree with you but it's the playoffs you got to do what you know you can get away with. And for whatever reason in this game, he was able to get away with shit like that. So, you know, props to, I guess you could say, a savvy player for for really being able to take our superstar out of the game for stretches of it. Yeah, um, he, he, he made it tough. Yeah, he was getting, a, let's say, a friendly whistle, uh, Patrick Beverly, to start this game. And it wasn't until Devin Booker took a forehead to the nose that the refs started calling the game a little more normally, let's say that. And I think that that's something that happens regularly where players 
either almost get hurt or kind of get hurt, and then the refs start calling things where before that they were kind of letting things go. Um, so no surprise to me that Devin Booker really tried to get the, the fouls immediately after that. That's exactly what you should do in that scenario. In fact, if there's ever a, a fake fight, uh, which happens in the NBA, just some shoving or, or stuff like that, that's when you try and bait the refs as well because the refs are a little more sensitive in that scenario. But the moment that Patrick Beverly's head hit Devin Booker's nose, a familiar feeling just sort of crept up in my gut of watching Suns teams that it, just this this existential basketball dread that sort of exists with seeing so much heartbreak in the past and and experiencing so much heartbreak as a Suns fan in the past and for this team to come out on the other end of that with a victory on a on a play with literally less than a second left was a pretty remarkable feeling. I I didn't expect it. One, as soon as that happened, I was like, well, here we go. Uh, history tends to repeat itself, and it's happening again. <laughs> and for something like this to happen at the end of this game, I think was cathartic, I think. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like taking a shower uh, after the game or something. It's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, you have to take that second and pinch yourself and say, "Wait, are these are these the Phoenix Suns? Am I still yeah. watching the Phoenix Suns? Because we're yeah. not supposed to we're not supposed to win a game like that." So, sorry to harp on the refs, but I just have to go back to this quickly. When Scott Foster took that ridiculously long delay at the very end to see how much I don't even fucking know how much time was left on the clock, they they switched it from. They brought it to 0.7 seconds, and then there was something about, can Batum be on the floor? Can he not be on the floor? I don't even know. Um, but that delay, you know what I'm talking about, that lasted about five minutes. There was a second there where I was thinking, like, what could what could they possibly, what could this delay possibly be about? It's almost like they're on the phone with Adam Silver to be like, um, Mr. Commissioner, excuse me, is it okay if the Suns win this game? They were really supposed to lose this game. Are you, are you sure if it's okay if they win this game? Um, but then that feeling of perseverance when things actually turn out okay. It, what I think is interesting is the parallel they made on the broadcast for natural reasons is the Steve Nash, Tony Parker, you brought this up to the headbutt in 07. That series didn't turn out so well for the Suns in the end, also yeah. for bullshit officiating reasons. I think uh, actually what, what this one felt a little bit more like was the Steve Nash eye injury yeah. in 2010 in a game where he did persevere. He got stitches uh, above his, I don't remember if it was his right eye or his left eye anymore, but he got stitches above one eye, came back in the fourth quarter of that game, hit some shots. The Suns won that game. It felt a little bit more like that. The magic of the moment, not being the Phoenix Suns of old. History doesn't repeat itself for once, and you're you're able to get you're able to get just a huge victory. Even point seven seconds left on the clock stressed me the hell out. Jesus, I was so terrified from that alone. And I yeah, know I mean, how impossible yeah. that is, but I just can't help it. There's something about being a Suns fan where you're like something impossible tends to happen against this team, and instead it went the other way around today, which is it's just a great feeling. I'm I'm enjoying I being on the other side of that. I was so frustrated with the officiating at that point. I mean, I was just nonstop. My roommate and I, he's also a Suns fan. We live in New York, but are both Suns fans. Um, we were just bitching to each other nonstop. And, and I said, I think at that point, I was like, look, if they make a full court shot, I'm just going to throw myself out a window. Like there's, there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing else for me to do at this point except to just end my life. But no, I mean, it was, 
it was it was great man do you do you have any other like usually this is the portion of the episode where we start touching yeah. on role players do you or or do you want to talk about adjustments for the next game or well, how about how about this yeah i have an idea uh, a report came out halfway through the game oh yeah that i think might be of some interest to suns fans do you want to talk yeah. about it yeah yeah, yeah 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 okay. how is it worded i don't have it in front of me do you do you happen to have it it's yeah it's here the um from woge there is optimism within the Suns organization that Chris Paul out for the start of the Western Conference Finals because of the league's health and safety protocols could return for Thursday's Game 3. It links to an article. I have not read the article. I haven't had time to. We, we hopped on here literally right after the game. Um, that is by no means a guarantee. It uses the phrasing, there is optimism, and Chris Paul could return for Thursday's <laughs> Game 3. I would not call that... Uh, 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 a guarantee. I wouldn't even it's, say I'd bet on it necessarily, but we're trending in the right direction. I mean, like, what what do you make of that? Is Chris Paul trolling us? Is he just trolling the media? No, at this because point? he he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He <laughs> yes, wants to he get definitely would. <laughs> he He's might troll such a troll. <laughs> he might troll the media. He wants to get back out there and play, though. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. I guess it's so easy to just leak different things to different people and sort of watch. Uh, the reports come out, but I guess right. Woj so, is the type of guy that would verify something with multiple sources. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, that's I would say that's. I mean, I guess I have to be optimistic because that's the word they used, right? I'm more inclined to believe this here. I'm quickly scanning through. So this article right here from 10:35, dated 10:35 Eastern Time, it's two hours ago, from when we're recording this, says. Paul is currently asymptomatic and spending his time away from the Suns in the L.A. area. Team source confirmed to ESPN. So right, right. there contradicts what we heard two hours before that, which Team is source. Chris Paul has a fever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no. <laughs> like, Arizona we, Republic is canceled. Oh, what? Like what? They're canceled. What, what are we even? Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this game proved again that as good as campaign is. It got to a point, that stretch I mentioned earlier when the Suns were just missing threes. I mean, Booker had a freaking broken nose. It got to that point with like three or four minutes left in the fourth quarter where you were just thinking, man, the steady presence of Chris Paul to go and get you a mid-range bucket right now. It became a game because the Clippers were able to scrap their way to enough buckets. But if Chris yeah. Paul was was playing it would not have been a game. The Suns would have held on to a 6-8, 10-point lead, and this would have been a 6-8, 10-point win if Chris Paul played in that fourth quarter. So just, he wasn't yeah. there. He wasn't there, but his presence was felt to me as I was watching the game. And so all the more reason we hope he's back for game three in LA. The thing about having two guys uh, that can create their own shot is that having three guys would be, would be better. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, yes, yeah, so getting Chris Paul back would be huge, and the storylines I think would be interesting at that point. Chris Paul playing against his old team in the playoffs, having a chance to eliminate them and get to the NBA Finals, and at is, this point, is a pretty remarkable and interesting storyline. At this point, you've won nine in a row. Like you need to just say you're not just winning the ring at this point. You need to say fuck it. Win. Uh, how many more games do they have to go? Six. You need to win six more. Make it fifteen in a row. And set Which ties the Golden State Warriors record, yeah. Yes, yes, excuse me. I was about to say set. <laughs> ties the Golden State Warriors record for most consecutive wins um, in a single playoff run. I mean, at this point, that's what you're going for. You're not just trying to scrape by, win this thing. You're trying to dominate. You're six wins away from dominating. Right. You've already gone 9-0. and What's six more? I, I love it. 
I love it. So I hope he's back soon. A couple guys I want to talk about real quick. Two guys off the bench. Cameron Johnson and Dario Saric. By the way, another game where Etuan Moore did very little. He, he did have five rebounds and three assists, though. So I, I don't think he was useless in this game. And I think that he's sort of earned the opportunity to get... What he doesn't do is make mistakes. Like This is clearly why uh, Monty Williams plays... Etuan Moore, zero turnovers off the bench from any guy, you know, that includes Etuan Moore. So it's nice to have one guy that can handle the ball a little bit that's just not going to turn it over. But Cameron Johnson, five after having a good game one, went five for five in this game, did not miss a shot, had 11 points, and was scoring when nobody else was. He even had a mid-range shot that just dropped right in when Devin Booker was out immediately after he got hit in the face. And, and talk about good timing. But also... Dario Saric found ways to be effective in this game, and I thought this is this was better than his first game. 11 points, uh, 2 assists, 3 rebounds, and I think found a good way uh, to punish when they put Terrence Mann in him. <laughs> By the way, even Dario Saric can punish Terrence Mann when they, they put Terrence Mann on him, something Rudy Gobert could not do. Uh, pretty remarkable <laughs> game by both of those guys. But but how important w- was that, those performances by both of those guys off the bench? These were these were Dario's best minutes in the playoffs, right? No doubt. I mean, he had that stretch where he hit three threes. That's in, the I think, the Lakers series. That was really important, too. What I, what I really... The Nuggets series, but yeah. What I really liked about Dario in this game, though, was when, again, you're, you're without Chris Paul especially when you have Etuan Moore on the court, who you're not super comfortable with as, as your point guard, it's a privilege for Monty to be able to bring Dario up to the top of the key and kind of orchestrate offense for other guys. I think they've stumbled on a real winning formula with Cam Johnson's cutting in those elbow sets. We've seen him cut. Um, he did it to, to get a couple baskets in the last game in game one. He did it one, I don't know if it was one or two times today. I, th- I think at least once that I saw him do it. Um, and, and Dario being the connecting piece who can find him from the top of the key with Cam cutting from from that elbow area, diving to the basket. It Like when, when you're without campaign and Devin Booker on the floor, it's going to be ugly basketball no matter what you do. There's, there's just going to be some element of ugly basketball, like understanding these are not the normal looks that we're getting within the flow of the Suns offense. You're going to have to fight for every single shot, but there are still kind of efficient ways uh, sort of residual ways to get buckets on this team. And I think, you know, leveraging Dario's playmaking, leveraging Cam's cutting, uh, Monty's done a really good job of, of understanding that. And both of those guys were just able to execute. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, here, there goes my voice. Um, two, <laughs> we can, we things, can end this one soon. Two things to look out for adjustment wise. The Suns figured something out in the second half for Devin Booker in that in order to get Patrick Beverly off of him, the work needed to be done with Devin Booker off the ball. So that meant Devin Booker running around multiple screens off the ball and forcing the switch off the ball. What they tried to do in the first half was uh, either he was attacking Patrick Beverly one-on-one or around screens, but Patrick Beverly is just refusing to switch when Devin Booker has the ball. So I would say watch out for that. In game three, I imagine they're going to work a little harder to get Devin Booker uh, those proper switches and get the right guys on him off the ball, which takes some really good planning by the Suns, and it's clear that they worked on that uh, at halftime and came out with some different things to get him off of him. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Jay Crowder shot really badly in the first two games against the Lakers, 
He shot pretty badly in the first two games against the Clippers. It's just time for Jay Crowder to hit some threes, have a game where he has six threes. Uh, that's not really an adjustment. I just think that's kind of how he plays. He just explodes <laughs> yeah, all of is. a sudden after being it bad. Is. So it's just time, Jay Crowder. Now, do it now. Uh, that way they can just sweep. <laughs> yeah, Jay's, <laughs> Jay, is, time. Jay is definitely king of like he'll average 10 points per game, but you look at his game logs and it's 2, 20, yeah. three 17 zero <laughs> exactly. like it's a, okay cool like i'll take it um if we're being honest the suns were just really lucky that in a game where they only shot 23 percent from deep i talk about the clippers just being an outstanding three-point shooting team and you could see it at times tonight when they were hitting their shots even so the clippers only shot 38 percent from deep and and you might be like oh i'm saying only about 38 percent 38 percent is still above average for them that's a bad shooting night this is a team that shot around like 43, 44 in the regular season. They're capable of getting damn near 50. So if they hit one more bucket in this game, this would have been a loss for the Suns. And yeah. you just you just hope that your bad shooting nights line up with their bad shooting nights, uh, quote-unquote bad, uh, like it did tonight, and that maybe your good shooting uh, nights line up with either their good shooting nights or even more bad shooting nights for them for the right. rest of the series. I guess we'll see. Right. Right. I mean, you got to win a game where Paul George struggles. They had to do that. I expected if that happened, it would have been a blowout. We'll be back after game three, covering what we saw in game three. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you'll find us doing our uh, pregame spaces before the games, about an hour before. Last thing, make sure the NBA fires uh, Scott Foster. We don't need him anymore. Hey, Mike, what's your Twitter handle? If people oh, want to uh, find you on Twitter. At protected pick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. All right. Peace what's out, yours? guys. Oh, at S Cooper Hoops. We're bad at that, man. Yeah, I mean, we don't really market ourselves. We beg for iTunes reviews, like, or Apple, whatever the fuck it's called these days. Like, once every two months. We have a YouTube channel. Maybe check that out. Anyway, all right. Back soon. Um, Back soon. (laughs) Bye, guys. I'm giving the ball to Devin Booker and getting out of his way. Booker pulls up, jumper. It's good. Devin Booker drills it. And the Suns back up by one. Timeout, Clippers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.